الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فانطلقا حتى إذا ركبا في السفينة خرقها قال أخرقتها لتغرق أهلها لقد جئت شيئا إمرا صدق الله العظيم وسفتر علماء الكرام رضي الله This is an ayat of Surah Al-Kahf, which inshallah we are all familiar with. It is that surah of the Qur'an Sharif regarding which great virtues have been narrated. It is mentioned that the person who recites this surah on the day of Jumu'ah, <coughs> Allah Ta'ala blesses him with such a nur which extends from the earth to the heavens. And this remains with him for the entire week till the next Jumu'ah. The person who recites the surah, the first ten ayat, according to some hadith, a person who memorizes the first ten ayats, and according to some, the last ten ayats, then he will be protected from the fitna of Dajjal. Now on the one hand, this protection from the fitna of Dajjal this noor that Allah Ta'ala blesses a person. These are sometimes words for us. Fine, there's something like noor. Well, there is a reality like Dajjal. But the depth of this is something that sometimes does not dawn upon our hearts. Not something we fully understand and realize. What is the depth of this that is being mentioned in these ahadiths, this noor that a person is granted, the safety from the fitna of Dajjal. Noor is a word that we are in some ways familiar with, it means light. The physical light or the external light that we see also, (coughs) this too is something which is of great importance to us. In the dead of night, when it's absolutely dark, if a person doesn't have any light, then we all know how difficult it can be. person cannot see anything. He doesn't know where he's going, what he's doing, what he might be picking up. It might be a stick or a snake. He has no idea. Where he'll put his next foot, he might just fall into a deep ditch. That might be the end of him. He might harm himself very seriously. He might cause harm to others. People in the darkness thought they were trying to protect their family They thought it was a burglar. They thought it was somebody trying to intrude. And the person in the darkness, he fired a shot. Then when suddenly after putting some light on, he realized he shot his own family person. This is darkness. In darkness, a person cannot make any kind of decision correctly sometimes. He doesn't know where he's heading, what he's doing. And when there's light, then in that light he can see clearly what's going on. He can see who is the friend, who is the enemy. He can see where is the benefit, where is the harm. And then the other aspect about it is that if a person does not know what is the reality of things sometimes or does not 
realize it, that what is the correct thing, somebody who is a sweet talker can easily deceive him. Many a times a person who is a very smart businessman, let me say somebody, in the words that are used, somebody took him for a ride. Now despite being so smart, but he got deceived. So now if he has that ability to discern everything, that nobody can deceive him, what a big benefit it is to him. Now these are things generally to the extent of dunya. Here in this surah we are being promised this nur which is beyond the nur of dunya. It is that light which will enlighten his dunya also, which will enlighten his qabr as well because of the amal that will be possible for him. It will enlighten the day of qiyamah for him. And at that time when the munafiqeen will be also looking for this nur. يَوْمَ يَقُولُ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالْمُنَافِقَاتِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا ذُرُونَا نَقْتَبِسْ مِن نُورِكُمْ The day of Qiyamah will be darkness. And the light will be the light of Iman and Amal. To the extent of the person's Iman, his Amal, he'll have light. And now the believers will be moving in this light. The munafiqeen and hypocrites who had externally expressed themselves as mu'mineen, as believers... Within themselves, there was something else. On that day, they'll be now in this bewilderment. How do we try to find some light to? They'll be calling out to the believers. You can see they're moving ahead in some light. Wait, let us benefit from your light also. Like somebody is driving with his headlights on, another person's headlights are not working. He says, okay, I'll just drive behind you. Just carry on following you, I'll get my way across to. So when this will become the case on the day of Qiyamah, they would say, wait for us. They will be told, Go back to the dunya and bring a nur from there. Come, There's no nur here now for you to gain. So these opportunities, this nur that Allah Ta'ala is giving us as opportunity to acquire is now. All the amal, this recitation of Surah Al-Kahf, it enlightens a person's dunya, it will bring light for him on the day of Qiyamah also. And then this deception of Dajjal, one is the big Dajjal that will come before Qiyamah. But Nabi Islam warned about many, many smaller Dajjals, who are not the Dajjal that is the Dajjal that will come, but they are on the same path, on a much smaller scale, but on the same path. So the benefit of reciting the surah is that a person will get saved from these fitnas of Dajjal. One is the main Dajjal, obviously, this is the main thing. But the barakat of it, inshallah, will help the person stay away from the deceptions of the smaller Dajjals also. If you get saved from the big Dajjal, why not the smaller Dajjals? Meaning all those who are trying to deceive him in his deen, in various guises, person will be invited to things that don't have anything to do with deen. But he'll have the name of deen only. And in the name of deen, he will be invited to anything and everything. Everything will be given a hue and color of deen on the outside. Like a person, some rusty vehicle, he's painted it from the top. It's all rusted inside. It's a state of complete disrepair, made it look shining from the outside only. So Things will be given the labels of deen, but behind it will be something else. This will be a deception person will be very, very, in a very beautiful way, very captivating way. The slogans will be very appealing. 
It will be that now this is all Quran and Hadith I'm giving you. But in the name of Quran and Hadith, it will be a person's own whims and fancies. And the person who doesn't know better gets deceived. So all these deceptions also, Allah Ta'ala will make it a means of inshallah protection from it. Obviously, that a person to stay away from these deceptions, he needs to follow those who are authentic and follow one direction. Somebody who he has the confidence in, in terms of deen, follow the one direction, khalas. He'll be safe. And he tries to take too many things here and there and see everything, he ends up nowhere. Forget ends up nowhere, he ends up in the wrong place. So in any case, this is the Surah Al-Kahf, which has very great virtues in the 15th para. We should be making a practice of this every Friday, every Jumu'ah, to recite the Surah 15-20 minutes. And for this short duration of time that it will take a person to recite the Surah, there are such great benefits for him. In the Surah, towards the end, Allah Ta'ala mentions the incident of Hazrat Musa and Hazrat Khizr That's what we wish to discuss briefly. But before that, one or two other lessons from the Surah. Regarding the occasion when the Surah was revealed, the Quraysh were prompted by the Jews, by the ulama of the Yahud, that you all go and ask these questions. This will become a decisive thing. If Nabi Islam can answer these questions, then genuinely, he is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. He cannot answer these questions, then you know where he stands. And they prompted them to ask some questions, the question about the people of the cave, Ashabul Kahf, Sadda Zulqarnain, the great king of the time, Zulqarnain, and the wall that he built, etc. So in any case, they came and asked Nabi Islam. At that time, this knowledge had not yet been revealed to Rasulullah regarding the people of the cave, regarding the king Dulqarnain, etc. So when something was asked to Nabi which he had not yet received any revelation about, so he would then await the revelation. He would await the wahi from Allah Ta'ala. So in anticipation of that wahi, Nabi said to them, Come tomorrow, I will tell you. Because he didn't have the answer ready for them at that moment. And he expected that now since they have asked me, Jibreel will come with wahi, he'll come with revelation, and I will then tell them. But it by chance happened that the word inshallah got left out. So as they listen, that how important this is, the wahi didn't come the next day. Jibreel didn't come the day after. He didn't come the third day. And now the Quraysh carried on coming. That you said tomorrow. Where's that tomorrow? What happened? And now, Zubillah, they started now, after some days passed, they started jeering, mocking. Nabi Salaam was in a very, very difficult moment. Very grieved about the situation. And 15 days passed. After 15 days, this surah was revealed. And in the surah, one ayat also Allah Ta'ala revealed, وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدًا إِلَّا أَيَّ شَاءَ اللَّهِ Don't ever express any intention about doing something the next day, tomorrow, or the future. Tomorrow is not necessarily just the day after. The future, anything about the future. But you must suspend it on the إِلَّا أَيَّ شَاءَ اللَّهِ On the will of Allah Ta'ala. 
Allah Ta'ala wills, then I'll do this. Allah Ta'ala wills, then I will come. Allah Ta'ala wills, then that will happen. Now this is a very deep lesson. One is, it is reinforcing this yaqeen that everything happens with the will of Allah Ta'ala alone. And this is the basis of a mu'min's iman, that he attributes everything to Allah Ta'ala. That he is not able to do anything, he cannot do anything, cannot save himself from anything. He has no power at all, whatsoever. It all happens only with the will of Allah Ta'ala. إِلَّا Allah. And the lesson in this is that a mu'min, his tongue is forever expressing some remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. It's either Bismillah, it is Alhamdulillah, it is Inshallah, it is MashaAllah. He is forever linking himself to Allah Ta'ala. He is not linking himself to dunya. He is in the dunya. He will use the dunya. He will earn the dunya. But he is attached to Allah Ta'ala. Not attached to the dunya. And therefore his tongue is also forever in the expression of the praise of Allah Ta'ala. And when a person is constantly, this is his day and night, constantly in the expression of the praises of Allah Ta'ala, the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, then someday one moment will come when this life is going to leave. And when this has been what is generally on the tongue, then inshallah he'll leave in that manner too. With the words of the greatness of Allah Ta'ala on his tongue, with the expression of the tawheed of Allah Ta'ala, la ilaha illallah on his tongue. Because his whole life felt like that. And on the other hand, Allah forbid if his tongue was accustomed to all kinds of filthy talk, evil, lying, all kinds of flowery language, and what not. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. One person, Allah Ta'ala forgive, we are not to make any kind of conclusions about anybody. But what is the ibrat for us and the lesson for us is what we have to take. Some people were traveling and there was suddenly an accident. Some survived and some passed away. Now those who survived, they overheard one of the people passing away that the last words on his tongue, now when suddenly he saw this impact coming. So now whatever was the normal reaction to something that he suddenly saw, what kind of expletive he just used to utter normally, that is what he uttered at that time. And all they know after that was the impact, and the person was gone. So a person who has accustomed his tongue to the remembrance of Allah Taala, and he saved himself from all these kind of evil talk, all these kind of vices, of this flowery languages, and whatever else goes with it, and inshallah at that very crucial time of death, at that time when everyone wants to say the right thing, Nobody wants to leave saying something that will jeopardize the whole journey ahead. That this is the way to save ourselves. That from now we accustom this tongue to say what is right. To be engaged in Allah's remembrance. And save ourselves from all the evil talk. Inshallah at that time too we will go with the right things on our tongue. Then another lesson in the surah. In the surah, Allah Ta'ala mentions the entire incident of the people of the cave. It's a lengthy incident, we won't go into the details at all. But just one point from it, 
These were some oh, just a brief background and the point that we wish to take a lesson from. This is an incident about some youngsters who were being pressurized by the king of the time to commit shirk. They refused to now join the people in the shirk. They said, no, we will worship Allah Ta'ala alone. So when they were put under this ultimatum that either you give up your deen and come join us, otherwise you, your lives are going to go. So they quietly disappeared. Before that ultimatum, they disappeared and they went away into this one cave. Along that, when they went away, one dog that was belonging to one of them, so now a dog, to have a dog as a pet, is not permissible. But a dog, if it's a guard dog, it's a dog for hunting, it's a dog for uh, herding purposes, etc. That there is some leeway for that. So perhaps it was one of those kind of dogs. That dog accompanied them. It followed them. And when they went and hid inside this cave, this dog remained sitting outside. Allah Ta'ala brought about the slumber over these people. For 300 and some years they remained in the slumber and the sleep. And this dog was at this cave. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentions the people of the kahf and the cave. Alongside Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِطٌ ذِرَاعِيهِ بِالْوَسِيدِ Allah Ta'ala mentions the dog of the Ashabul Kahf, of the people of the cave. The Mufassirin write a point on this, that this is a dog, it's a lowly animal. This lowly animal accompanied this group of pious people. And it accompanied this group of pious people just because it was attached to them. The animal is an animal. But despite that it being such a lowly animal, but when it joined this company of the pious people, it also got its mention made in the Quran Sharif. The space of honor came to this dog also. So Mufassirin explain on this note that if this is the benefit that this dog got, this lowly animal got, what about an insan who has iman in his heart? That if he accompanies those who are righteous, who are pious, he keeps himself in the right company, he saves himself from the wrong company, why won't he benefit? Why won't he get close to Allah Ta'ala? If Allah Ta'ala showed such a favor on this dog that Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran Sharif, why won't this mu'min get mentioned or rather get honored in by Allah Ta'ala and in so many different ways and especially the real place of honor on the day of Qiyamah if he accompanies the righteous? Nevertheless, coming to the incident of Sayyidina Musa Ali and Hazrat Khizr Ali again, this is a lengthy incident just to take the main lessons from it. Musa on one occasion was asked a question by his people. was asked the question that who is the most knowledgeable? Meaning at this point in time, who is the most knowledgeable? It is obvious the Nabi of the time, he is receiving wahi from Allah Ta'ala. And Musa is among the ulul azam, among the very great Anbiya Wasalam, And who was Kalimullah, he had the opportunity and the honor of conversing directly with Allah Ta'ala without the intermediary of even the angel. So obviously this was the fact, this was the reality at the moment, at that point in time, that he was the most knowledgeable. So as a matter of stating the fact, which was a reality, which was 100% the fact, as a matter of stating the fact, he said, I, because that was the fact at that time, and he was aware of it, not in a manner of pride, 
not in a manner of saying I'm somebody, but as a fact, if somebody is a hafiz, so somebody asks him, are you a hafiz? So now he's feeling very humble, he says, I'm not a hafiz. So now that's a lie now. But he won't say it out of pride. He'll express it, yes, he's a hafiz. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala's grace and mercy. Allah Ta'ala accept it. But to feel proud over it, that my achievement, I am somebody, that now is a dangerous thing. Alhamdulillah, Allah's ni'mad. I am the weak and humble servant of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala accept. So in any case, he stated this fact. But this too, considering his very high position, from that position, this too was something not the most appropriate thing to do. It was not the most appropriate on that high position. What was actually required was, to, even though this was a known fact to him, to say Allah Ta'ala knows best. So because this was the case now, that he stated something, but which was not the most appropriate response. And those to the extent of their closeness to Allah Ta'ala, they are treated accordingly, they are taken to task accordingly for something which is a very, very minor issue in terms of it's not the best thing. They are taken to task for it. Whereas for somebody else, for the general person, that would be a very great virtue. That would be something that would be a very big thing that he did. But it wasn't the most appropriate for somebody at the very high level. So he sometimes, in a very, in a, some way, given some kind of uh, reprimand of sorts, that this wasn't the best thing. Allah Ta'ala commanded Musa that there's a certain servant of ours, you should go and meet him and learn from him. Musa is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. The lengthy incident, all the details is given, where he'll find the person, etc. Eventually, he comes and meets Hazrat Khizr as per the detail that was given to him. And he requests him, قَالَ لَهُ مُوسَىٰ هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْدًا Requesting in a very humble way, he's a Nabi of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Khizr is also a Nabi. He's requesting that, can I join you, so that I will learn from what you have been taught. Any case, again just condensing it, finally Khidr Salam allows him. You may come along. But on one condition, that you will not say anything, you will not object to anything, ask anything. So very well. So now they go on. As they now are journeying along, they come to a river bank. And they need to cross the river. So there are some people who have some boat and they recognize Khidr Salam. So they offer them a lift across. And that too they offer it for free. Because they know Hazrat Islam, so they offer this lift for free. As they are now moving along the river, Khizr Islam suddenly takes hold of one piece of plank or some board in the boat and he breaks it. Now, if he broke it, this would have now sunk. Some Mufassirin explained this was his miracle and mojiza. That despite having broken this, the water didn't come in. Some say he put in something else in place. But in any case, now it, it changed the look of it. It wasn't looking so nice anymore now. Because this was now spoilt in a way. Musali Salam immediately objected that these people did us a favor. They are taking us across for free. You now are damaging their boat. So as soon as he asked this question, Khizr Salam cautions him. That, did I not tell you not to ask anything? Did I not tell you you're not going to be patient? He says, no, okay, mistake. Very well. 
Now they go along, they come to some place, there's a young child there. Khizr Islam moves ahead, gets hold of this child, and kills him. Now this was something Musa Islam could not just stand back and watch. Immediately, because he was too as a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, and when something was against what is the apparent command of Allah Ta'ala, but Khizr Islam was also a Nabi, he was receiving the command directly. Musa Islam, according to his Sharia, he's going to have to take action or say something. So he again objected. That How did you do this? Why did you do this? This is a child that is still masoom, is not even of age. You killed him? Again, Khid Islam cautions him. I told you beforehand, you're not going to be able to bear this. And how are you going to ever bear something that you don't have the inner knowledge of? Because there's another part of this whole knowledge. This is something that's coming directly from Allah Ta'ala's side. So, okay, fine. If I do this again, then you can part ways. So, any case, now they move on. They come to one village. They are hungry. They are traveling. They don't have anything. But these people still refuse to entertain them in any way, give them something to eat. So this was against every etiquette. The etiquette of deen, the etiquette of common, the custom of the people that they would always serve the guest, and especially a traveler. And in those days, there was no other arrangement for the traveler. But they refused. So then they carried on moving on. As they come out and they're leaving this village, there's a wall that is collapsing. Khizr Salam starts repairing this wall. And obviously, he's doing it as a favor. Musa Islam objects again. These people were so rude. They were so uh, unhospitable. They refused to entertain us with even the basic things. And now you do this for free. At least you could have taken some fee in return. You could have used that to purchase some food. Khizr Islam says, look, now we have to part ways. But before you go, let me tell you what happened. Let me give you the secret behind all this. Then he says to him that that first incident where we were crossing the river on that boat and I damaged that boat. Outwardly, you saw the one side of it. You saw these people are doing us a favor. I'm damaging the boat. But behind the scene, what was the reality, you were not aware of. That lower down, downstream, there was a tyrant king who was waiting there, looking at all the boats that are passing by. And anything that was looking good, he was usurping it. I damaged this outwardly, a little bit of damage, but this didn't look too good for him now. So what wasn't good enough for him was going by. Outwardly, this was a damage. Outwardly, it was harm. But in reality, it saved everything. Externally, it seemed a loss. In reality, it was a great profit because it saved everything. Now this is a very deep lesson that we have been given. These incidents in the Quran Sharif are not there as bedtime stories. They are not there for entertainment. They are not there just for the sake of some history, historical facts. No, it is Ibrat. It is a lesson for people till the day of Qiyamat. That when a person, sometimes some things happen in dunya, one is, if there is something that 
happens which is negative, the first thing a person should do is reflect on his amal. That's the first thing. Reflect on his amal. Because the amal of a person bring down conditions accordingly. That is the first thing to do. The Hadith Sharif, it comes that a person sometimes risk is being descended for him. He commits a sin that risk is uplifted. Istighfar becomes a means of bringing the risk. And there are various specific sins mentioned in the Hadith that become a means of specific difficult conditions. When people get involved in cheating in weight and measure, then the result of this becomes drought and famine. When people, when zina becomes widespread, then it becomes a means of such diseases which the forefathers had never heard of. Now these are all realities which we don't need to analyze further. So the first thing is to certain things when they become common in society, the whole society bears the brunt of it. Though everybody might not be responsible for it, but when these things become common in society, then those who are involved suffer, those who are not involved suffer also. In dunya, everybody suffers the consequences. If the drought strikes, the drought affects everybody. It affects the pious and the impious. And if it's something that a person specifically is doing, he'll get affected by the consequences. So, this is the first thing, to look into our amal. What am I doing? Am I conducting myself correctly? Am I being obedient to Allah Ta'ala? Am I obedient to the way of Rasulullah Wasallam? Am I getting involved in things that is inviting Allah Ta'ala's wrath? Am I doing something that is preventing the rahmat from coming? That is rahmat is being... Dist- Many a times, alhamdulillah, and we should do these things, the various a'mal that bring down the rahmat, various virtues that are mentioned for many a'mal. But this is what bring down the rahmat. But it's like, for example, a person has got a garden patch or something, he needs the rain. So now he needs the rain to water that piece of ground. But now when the rain is coming, he's got a roof over the whole place. So now that ground remains as dry as ever. So he needs to take out what is preventing the water from reaching the ground. So likewise, mashallah, we do these amal that bring down the rahmat. But at the same time, we block it with sins. We put the canopy of sins above. As a result of which, it prevents the rahmat from reaching. So that's the first thing. But then sometimes, these conditions come as a test. That a person... Allah Ta'ala is putting him through some condition, but now he will respond positively, he'll make sabr on it, what he couldn't reach with his a'mal, that rank that he couldn't reach with his a'mal, he'll reach with the sabr that Allah Ta'ala will enable him to make. And it is mentioned in the hadith that a person on the day of Qiyamah, when he will see the reward of the sabr, then a person will wish he had even more of the difficulties who could have made more sabr. But that is on the day of Qiyamah that he'll wish that. Here in dunya, we have been taught to always ask for afiyat. Don't ever ask for any calamity. We must never act brave in this line. We put forward our total humility and helplessness in front of Allah Ta'ala and beg afiyat. But in any case, this comes as a test. And in this test, 
If he is a true servant of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala blesses him with sabr on that test. And then that sabr becomes a means of taking him to such ranks which he could not have reached with his amal. And the benefit of this he'll achieve and receive on the day of Qiyamah. And that's when he will see what, what a great blessing he has received. And then the third situation is that sometimes these things come in the form of a difficulty but within it is a great favor. Outwardly the wrapping, the wrapping is very scary. The wrapping is something that is probably even difficult to take. But wrapped within it, there's something very, very precious, very great. So now a person received one box, and the box was something maybe even had some things sharp, sticking all over the place. To hold it also is something difficult. Like that pineapple now, it's a job to even try to hold on to it. But once he's cut away the sides, now he's enjoying the beautiful, wonderful fruit inside. So likewise, sometimes these halat come outside, is all very, very sharp and sometimes painful. But inside that, comes a very great na'mat and favor. He needs to be patient. He'll come in his time. It takes time to cut that sides off. But with sabr, with turning towards Allah, wa ta'ala, that will remove the wrapping. And then he'll enjoy the fruit inside. So similarly here, this outwardly was a loss. The boat was damaged, was outwardly a loss. But inside this loss was a great protection. Inside this loss was something that was a great benefit. So this is what insan needs to keep focusing on. That right now I can't fathom the reality. How can I expect, expect myself to even fathom it? But I need to submit to Allah Ta'ala. Wholeheartedly without question. That Allah Ta'ala is all wise. And in everything there is a hikmat of Allah Ta'ala. It's not possible for me to understand Allah Ta'ala's hikmat. It's like trying to put the whole ocean into less than a teacup. The teacup is too big. It will never happen. So I need to just submit. I need to accept. When a person wholeheartedly submits himself, then being human, he'll still feel whatever the emotions are. But that submission will become the balm over that emotion. And it will ease it for him. So in any case, this was the first incident that Musa al-Islam explains to him. The second incident, that that child, we took his life, Allah Ta'ala ordered this to happen, and in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala explains it, that this child, if he grew up, there was this inherent evil in him. He would have grown up, and he would have become a very serious disbeliever, he would have even possibly jeopardized the iman of his parents. So Allah Ta'ala willed that this child should be now taken out of the equation, that was good for him also. He never reached the age of being accountable. And it became good for the parents in the sense, Allah Ta'ala says we were supposed to now, and we would replace this child with something better for the parents. Mufassirin explained, they then had a daughter. And that daughter became the mother of, some say one Nabi, some say two Nabis. Now, Outwardly, this was a complete loss. But in the plan of Allah Ta'ala, this was to be replaced with something far better. If somebody takes away one rand, and he says in place of this one rand, obviously in a halal way, I'm going to give you a million rands. 
So now the person wants to cling on to the one rand. I want this one rand. So if somebody really wants to cling on the one rand, they'll say, okay, I'll arrange the appointment for free for you. Because something must be wrong mentally with the person. That this is, he can see for sure this million rand is going to come. He wants to cling to the one rand. But now obviously when we can, cannot see it, so now he left to have the confidence in who is saying it to him. So this was the second incident. The third incident regarding this wall that was collapsing, Prophet Islam explains, that, This belonged to two orphans. And beneath this wall was a treasure that belonged to them. If this wall collapsed, this treasure would have been exposed. And it would have been usurped because they didn't have the ability to take care of it now. Others would have usurped it. So Allah Ta'ala willed that this must be protected now. And why Allah Ta'ala made this such great arrangements that for the protection of these, of the wealth of these yatims, Allah Ta'ala sent two nabis. You go and repair this wall. Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif, وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا That their father was a pious person. He passed away, these were yatims. Every person is concerned what, what my children will eat from. And for their children to eat, they are pushing them in every haram environment too. The person is crying by iman, is at stake here. The father says, you have to go because what are you going to eat? So if the iman goes also, but you must eat. Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا Their father was a pious person. The piety of the father, Allah Ta'ala sent two ambiya to go and repair that wall and protect the wealth of those children. And in time when they would now grow up, they would be able to take care of it themselves. Allah Ta'ala will cause this treasure to be exposed in time so that they will now benefit from it. So outwardly, this was something that was a loss. In one sense, where this work was done for free, they could have taken some fee for it. But this was something that was made to be done for the protection of somebody else, for the protection of the wealth of these yatims. So likewise, a person who sticks to the path of piety, the path of the obedience of Allah, ta'ala, let alone himself, the barakat will reach his progeny also. The barakat will reach and some say, وَكَانَ أَبَسْ سَابِعْ That this was the forefather seven generations up who was this pious person. The barakat of his piety was reaching seven generations down now. So again it all comes to the same crux. That to the extent that a person is obedient to Allah wa ta'ala, he is sticking to the commands of Allah ta'ala, following the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa there are challenges that come in dunya. Dunya is not Jannat. Jannat is where there is no challenge. Dunya, there are challenges. And neither is dunya Jahannam either. It's a mixture of some difficulty, some good, some peace and some problems, some happiness, some grief. But a person who in all these conditions remains steadfast, makes an effort to move closer to Allah Ta'ala, Allah forbid he slips, he immediately makes toba and comes back to Allah Ta'ala. And he makes an effort to earn his risk, etc. according to the commands of Allah Ta'ala. According to some Mufassirin, this treasure that was buried under this wall, there was gold and silver in it. And together with that, there was one golden tablet, like some 
like a piece of gold on which there were certain things inscribed. And among the things that were inscribed, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, then the next line that was there was, strange is the condition of that person. Strange is the condition of that person who has yaqeen in taqdeer and he's still immersed in grief. Being insan, he'll feel grief, he'll feel pain, he's insan, he's not an angel, he's a human being, but he won't remain forever trapped in that grief. He will move on with it. One is the natural human nature, that grief which is part of human nature, tab'i. But that has its lifespan. After a while, time heals that. And the other is kasbi, that a person keeps it alive. He constantly keeps engaging the mind deliberately in that negative incident that happened, in the tragedy that might have taken place, in the difficulty that came. And he keeps engaging the mind deliberately in that, keeps rewinding that. That is obviously going to forever keep that grief alive. But when a person turns his mind to the reality that Allah Ta'ala is the doer, Allah Ta'ala is the planner and the best of planners, outwardly it might seem that this is a very negative situation. Behind this, what good is there? I won't know now. In time I'll also come to know. But for now I need to submit to Allah Ta'ala. Then strange is the condition of that person who has iman and conviction that the provider is Allah Ta'ala. And yet he crosses the limits in trying to earn his living. He goes beyond the limits in doing whatever he has to do to acquire what he wants to. And Allah Ta'ala is a provider. He is required to do only what is within the borders and the framework that Allah Ta'ala has provided. Within the limits that Allah Ta'ala has set. But in that too, Allah Ta'ala will provide, not him. And there were various other advices of this nature. Strange is the condition of that person who has this conviction about hisab and accountability on the day of Qiyamah. Yet he's in a state of ghaflat. He's unmindful, he's heedless. Like a person knows tomorrow is a court case. And the end result of this case, the judgment could be a life sentence, it could be execution. And he is hale and hearty like nothing's happening. Nobody's going to say that this person knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Allah knows how much of life we have left. Our accountability could start, the accountability of the qabr could start before tonight finishes, before tomorrow. So there is no basis for a person to be in a state of ghaflat, to be heedless. Yes, Allah Ta'ala has given us the permission and the leeway to enjoy his na'mads in the correct way, within the limits of shariat. Whatever bounties Allah Ta'ala has blessed a person, Allah Ta'ala hasn't denied the person to enjoy those na'mads. But in that, he does not become ghafil. That he uses that also in a way that takes him closer to Allah Ta'ala. By means of shukr. And he doesn't do anything that goes against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the lesson that we have to take. That we submit ourselves wholeheartedly to Allah Ta'ala. We do not cross the limits of Allah Ta'ala. The challenges that come in dunya, we look at it from the correct perspective. The Quran Sharif in these incidents is giving us an angle to look at it from. Say to change the perspective. Not to look at everything from the perspective of dunya. To now walk the other side. And look at it from the other angle. And we'll get a different view altogether.
And when a person gets the other view, then suddenly what he thought was a very bleak situation. Because all he could see was a blank wall in front of him. But when he sees it from the other side, he sees, no, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So now it gives a complete different picture to the whole thing. And the mu'min, when he submits himself wholeheartedly to Allah wa ta'ala, then, inshallah, he will remain in a positive condition within himself in dunya forever, regardless of whatever the external challenges are. And obviously the akhirat, then there is no way that a person can imagine what Allah Ta'ala has stored for the true believers in the akhirat. Allah Ta'ala give us a tawfiq of staying steadfast on deen, on iman. Allah Ta'ala keep us in a way that we are always doing that which pleases Allah Ta'ala. Save us from every bit of his displeasure. reported in the Hadith Sharif, a person who recites La ilaha illallah a hundred times daily, Allah Ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of Qiyamah. What this means is that, inshallah, with the barakat of this daily recitation, Allah Ta'ala will give him the tawfiq of righteous amal, which will become the means of this great honor on the day of Qiyamah. When saying La ilaha, to bring to mind that all the ghayrullah, all the evil, the filth in our hearts, the illicit things in our hearts, all the things that are lurking in there that distract us from Allah wa ta'ala, all these things we have taken and thrown out, and illallah there is this nur that is descending in the heart from above, which is the love of Allah ta'ala. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala Alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabih Wa ashabihi wa baraka wa sallama Tasliman kathiran kathira Ya Rabbi salli wa sallim daiman abada Ala habibika khayril khalqi kullihimi Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu La ilaha illallah, 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 la ilaha Lainaha <laughs> Lainaha <laughs> 
دل میں راہ ہو جائے ایک میدان تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آبوں گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل نفس و شیتا دونوں نے مل کر ہائی کیا ہے مجھ کو تباہ اے میرے مولا میری مدد کر چاہتا ہوں میں تیری پناہ مجھ سا خلق میں کوئی نہیں گو بد کردار نامہ سیاہ تو بھی مگر غفار ہے یا رب بخش دے میرے سارے گناہ اب تو رہے بس تادم آخر ورد زبائے میرے الہ لا الہ الا اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہ اللہ جل جلاله عم نواله اللہ 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 اللہ
اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جز الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهل ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا تبفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا إنك جامع الناس اليوم لا ريب فيه إن الله لا يخلف الميعاد إله العالمين يا الله most merciful most gracious most kind most loving Allah Ya Allah, forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive all our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive the sins of the day and night, Ya Allah. Forgive the sins we did deliberately and mistakenly, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, show your maghfirat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Show your rahmat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, remove the difficulties of the ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the oppression from the ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the hunger and pain from the ummah, Ya Allah. Remove the suffering of the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, guide us and guide the entire ummah, Ya Allah. Enable us and the entire ummah to do those actions that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Save us and the entire ummah from those actions that bring down your adab, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, enable us to be forever obedient to you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, enable us to be mustaqeem and to- totally steadfast on deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Save us from all the deviations, Ya Allah. Save us from all the isms, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, keep us on sirat and mustaqeem, Ya Allah. Enable us to do, the, Ya Allah, fulfill all your obligations ya allah enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah ya allah with khushu and khudu ya allah enable us to perform such a salah with which you are pleased with ya allah ilahu alamin put the importance of salah in our hearts ya allah ya allah enable every member of our families to perform their salah correctly ya allah ilahu alamin ya allah bring salah alive in the entire ummah ya allah ilahu alamin ya allah enable us to 
grateful for all your commands, Ya Allah. Save us from all the sins and disobedience, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the eyes, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the ears and tongue, Ya Allah. Save us from the sins of the hands and feet, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, purify our hearts from all sin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the jealousy, the malice, the hatred, the pride from our hearts, Ya Allah. Remove all the evil qualities and traits from our hearts, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the love of deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the amal of deen, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of the khidmat of deen, Ya Allah. Accept us and accept our progeny till qiyamah for the khidmat of deen, Ya Allah. With ikhlas and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamira, daima. Give them complete cure from all their ailments, Ya Allah. And cure each one of us, Ya Allah, from all our spiritual ailments, Ya Allah. From all our physical ailments, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All those in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Those who are in financial difficulties, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's rizq, Ya Allah. Grant us halal and tayyib rizq, Ya Allah. Save us from every drop and every grain of haram, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who have passed away, Ya Allah. Fill their khabars with noor, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, those of our parents who are alive, give them barakat in their lives, barakat in their health, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Enable us to earn jannah through service to them, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, those of our parents who have passed away, Ya Allah. Make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Fill their khabars with noor, Ya Allah. Make their khabars gardens of jannah for them, Ya Allah. Grant them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Grant them a special place in Allah, Illiyin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, at the time of our death, take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on iman kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat and nasuh, Ya Allah. Allah, take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, save us from death in a condition of sin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, save us from death in a place of sin, Ya Allah. Save us from every ever going to places of sin, Ya Allah. Save us from every sin, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, make our qabr's gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, give us Jannatul Firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, all those who asked us to make dua for them, Ya Allah. All those who have raised their hands to this dua, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, fill each one's heart with your love, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, fill each one's heart with the love of deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you become ours and make us yours, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you become ours and make us yours, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you become ours and make us yours, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you fulfill all the aspirations of each one, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, grant afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Grant afiyat to one and all, Ya Allah. Grant us afiyat in our deen, Ya Allah. Grant us afiyat in our dunya, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you protect us in dunya also, Ya Allah. Protect us in the qabr, Ya Allah. Protect us on the day of qiyamah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, bless us with the best of dunya and akhirat, Ya Allah. Rabbana ahatina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Allahum inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka min hunabiyuka وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين